Uh, the basic premise of this relationship series is that uh, good relationships are possible, but not probable. The odds are very high that you will not have good relationships, especially if you try to do them the world's way. Because there's the world's way and there's God's way. And our theme verse uh, says just that. It's out of Romans 12, 2, the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And so the world has its behaviors, its customs. Frankly, they're becoming more and more widely accepted even within the church. And so evidently, it's, it's possible for believers to copy the behaviors and customs of the world. And so the Bible warns us, you really don't want to do that. And I would say that if there's one area where you really don't want to do that, it's in the area of relationships, especially the marriage relationship. Because Hollywood is going to put a spin on relationships in a certain way, and social media puts a spin on relationships, and TV puts a spin on relationships. 91% of the sexual encounters portrayed on TV are outside of marriage. I mean, that's a spin on relationships. And culture is branding us with an idea of relationships that does not work. It doesn't just work for righteousness' sake. It doesn't work for you. And the world's way will destroy your life. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But, but God has an alternative. God has a better way. Thank God for that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God never asked you to do something and then just expects you to do it. No, God wants to transform you so that you can do it. God never says, stop this, don't do that, do this. No, God changes you and gives you the power to live life God's way. But you've got to cooperate. You've got to let God transform you. That's why God is not just a God to be understood. God's not just a God of information. God is a God to be experienced. God is a God of transformation. And our God is a God who wants to do a work on the inside of you so you can live a different life on the outside, especially in the area of your relationships, especially in the area of the marriage relationship. God wants to change you into a brand new person, and that change begins with changing the way you think. And that's my job as a pastor. I can't change your life for you. I'm not God. But I can bring messages to you that will help you change the way you think so you can think in a new way, in a biblical way, so God can transform your life. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for your marriage is that it would be good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will for your relationship with your kids is that it would be good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what God desires for you. So here's the contrast between two ways of viewing your relationship. On your notes, the world's way. The world says that what you need to do is you need to find the right person. I have to find my soulmate. My soulmate. I have to find the person that's right for me, the person that will complete me. And so I go out looking for that person. I go on the hunt. I go on the prowl. Today I go online looking for the right person. And the way I know I have found the right person is I fall in love. It's amazing how culture talks about 
falling in love like falling in a ditch or falling into a bottomless pit. You can't help it. You just fell in love. It's not that I've committed my life to you. It's that I have fallen for you. And then you fix all your hopes and dreams on them. I put all my expectations on you to make me happy. You've got to complete me, fulfill me, satisfy me, because you're my soulmate. And you put these great expectations on a person who cannot fulfill them. God never designed your mate to complete, fulfill, and satisfy you. That's God's role in your life. God wants you to find your completion, your fulfillment, and your satisfaction in Him, not in another person. So when you look for completion and satisfaction in your spouse, you set yourself up for failure. We set ourselves up for failure when we do marriage the world's way. And then, if failure occurs, we just repeat steps one, two, and three again. We go out, try and find another right person. We place all our expectations on them, and it's just lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. That's the world's way. We see it all the time. And so I want to speak to the teenagers, the single students, I don't care if single, whatever age you are, you need to know that here at Rockbrook, we are not proponents of the common dating scene. The typical dating process does not teach you how to build healthy relationships. The typical dating process teaches you how to break up. The typical dating process teaches you how to divorce. Same way with living together. People live together thinking that it's going to create a better, healthier relationship. Truth is, it destroys the very foundation that you need for a healthy relationship. People think dating and living together are practice for marriage. No, they're practice for breaking up. Because when you go out and engage in married things without a marriage commitment, and then I get tired of you or the relationship gets hard and I bail out of the relationship because that's my option, and then I go find somebody else because this has all just been an experiment. You do that a number of times in your dating life and that becomes the common pattern for you in relationships. That's why it's so easy to end a marriage relationship because you've already ended several relationships before you got into the marriage. You gave away pieces of your heart to the point that when you got married you didn't have a whole heart to give someone. The world's way is lying to you. It is setting you up for failure. The world, the world is never happier than when somebody gets divorced. And you don't believe that? Just look at the tabloids. Just watch the entertainment shows. What do they celebrate? What are the headlines about? It's all about the breakups. It's all about the divorces. And when we copy the behavior and customs of the world, we get the world's result. But thank God there's a better way. God's way. God's why you don't find the right person, you become the right person. You let God do a work inside of you so that you bring something to the relationship rather than just trying to extract something from it. God, would you do a work inside of me? Make me the best husband I can be. Help me to be the best dad, the best friend, the best employee I can be. We submit ourselves to the transforming power of God so I can be as healthy and mature and as spiritually strong as I can be. So that when I step into that relationship, I have a strength and a maturity about me. And that, that allows me, instead, now instead of falling in love, I can walk in love. 
That's what the Bible tells me to do. Because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is not what you feel. Love is what you do. And that's why the Bible says in Colossians to put on love. I don't fall in love and then wallow around in it. No, I intentionally put on love. I choose it. Love is an intentional act of the will, not a random act of your emotions. And in a relationship, I have to make the choice to love every day. Because my feelings often go in a very selfish direction that does not want to love other people, even my spouse. But the Bible says we are called to love. We are commanded to love. First and greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. How do I do that? I put on love. I walk in love. And when I do that, because God is love, then I fix all my hopes and dreams on God. God becomes my fulfillment, my satisfaction. God becomes the source of my power, the source of my joy. I, I, I let the love of God transform me. Now we live in a broken and fallen world, and so failure can even happen in God's way. And so what do I do? I repeat steps one, two, and three. I pick myself up. I move toward healing and health. I become the best person I can be. I put on love. I walk in love. And I put all my hopes and dreams on God. That's the difference between the world's way and God's way. And today I want to talk to you about uncommon commitment. Because I firmly believe that if any relationship, especially the marriage relationship, is going to succeed, we've got to come back to the foundation that God establishes for our relationships. And that's the foundation of commitment. Most marriages fail because of lack of commitment. And it's amazing the degree to which our relationships today have become disposable. We live in a contractual uh, world today. Uh, we function in, 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 on the basis of contracts, and contracts include options, they include loopholes, they include escape clauses, contracts include a way out. But the Bible calls us to relationships that are not contractual, the Bible calls us to relationships that are covenantal. The world's way puts us in relationships that are temporary, God's way puts us into relationships that are permanent. It's a covenant. And there's a word that God uses when he talks about relationships that, that we don't like to use when we talk about relationships. In Hebrews 13:4. God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never. Think about the weight of that. There is nothing you can do that will make God stop loving you. There is nothing you can do that will make God abandon you. Never. We don't like that word. You know, it's all right for God because he's God, but, but I, I, I don't like that. I mean, I, I, I need a way out. What, I need a, what if things go bad? What if you disappoint me? What if I fall out of love? But God wants us to strengthen our relationships by making that kind of uncommon commitment. And frankly, I don't think you can get your relationship to the place that God wants it to be until you've thrown the escape options out the window. And I know, I know this is hard to take hold of because we have been trained by our culture to think differently. You need to keep your options open. You need to keep a way out. You need to have an emergency exit. You need a prenup, baby. You need a prenup. 
But when you do that, you rob yourself of the very power that will help you stay in your relationship with the going gets tough. Now, I want to tell you, I understand this is a hard message. This, this is a hard message for me to deliver. This is a hard message for you to hear. And I have been praying all week that th while this is a hard message, that it would not be a harsh message. And I want you to know that I am speaking out of a pastor's love for his people. And I want you to know that God is speaking out of a father's love for his children. I mean, if you saw your child moving toward behavior that would destroy them, how hardly, how harshly would you speak to them to communicate to them what they need to hear? I mean, you would be desperate. And that's what we find as God speaks to us today. We're going to look at a verse in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And some people read this and they see it as negative or even harsh, but honestly, I see this as a very life-giving passage. So, so don't get defensive toward it. Just, just open yourself up to it and hear the heart of God. You flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You're crying, weeping, wailing because of the condition of your life. You recognize that God has removed his hand of blessing from your life. It's like God isn't helping you anymore. There is a distance between you and God. You ask why. Why does my life look like this? Why does my life feel like this? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. God has been looking at your life, especially your commitments, especially the deepest of all commitments, the commitments to your wife, the commitment to your husband. And God says, you have been unfaithful to her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? God wants you to stay together. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And not just for your benefit, but for the benefit. Look at this. What does the one God seek? Godly offspring. We have no idea how this is going to impact future generations when we're unfaithful. People say kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. But I have heard dozens and dozens and dozens of Celebrate Recovery testimonies over the year. And I want to tell you that adults who are pouring out their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, it's amazing to me that when people, when adults truly begin to deal with the deepest wounds in their life, it's amazing how often their testimonies begin with, my parents divorced when I was eight. My parents divorced when I was 10 or 16 or 28. Kids are supposed to be resilient. But when adults deal with their deepest wounds, many, many of them start with the pain of their parents' divorce. I don't think kids are resilient. I think kids are as fragile as glass. And I don't think there's anything wrong with working hard on a difficult marriage simply for the sake of the kids. I don't think it's wrong. I don't see anything wrong with staying together for the sake of the kids. 
The world will tell you, oh, it's better for the kids. You know, better for the kids. There won't be the conflict. There won't be the fighting. There won't be this. It's better for the kids if you divorce. God says, no. You know what's better for the kids? You stick together and you work it out. You stick together and work. God wants your marriage to succeed. And God wants your kids to be safe and protected. So be on your guard. Be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So am I saying this? Is this my opinion? No. Says the Lord, the God of Israel, says the Lord Almighty. God says the problem is, is that you get violent the very day you're supposed to protect the relationship. The very day you were supposed to be there for them. The very day they were supposed to be able to count on you. You opted for hate and divorce and violence toward the ones you were supposed to protect. So be on your guard. And do not be unfaithful. Now, I know the harsh realities of life. I know marriage can be tough. I know it can be very hard. And I know marriages can spiral down into very unsafe, unhealthy relationships. But when that happens, we have got to do whatever we have got to do to protect them and heal them and work on them, even if it takes extreme measures, even if it takes uncommon commitment. In our hearts, we've got to be willing to be unhappy for a while while we work it out. And my wife needs to know that. She needs to know that if she sees something she doesn't like in me, she can express it to me, and I'm not going to hit the road jack and come back no more, no more. <laughs> she needs to know that when we hit a rough spot, I'm not bailing out, I'm hanging on harder than ever before. I am committed to making the changes that I need to make to work this out. Quote on your notes on the screen says, Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in left you. Because you get in the right mood, you, you can say things. And I've stood at, at many a wedding and watched a bride and groom look into each other's eyes and their hearts are fluttering and the violins are playing and the white dress is flowing and the candles are glowing and the best man's bawling like a 10-year-old girl. And, and in that setting, they promise that nothing but death is going to separate it. They say it right out loud in front of everybody. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. And I've seen time and time again how there were other options. Turns out there were other things that could separate us besides death. We didn't have to get to the point of death to end the marriage. Now, I'm not saying that you need to endure pain and suffering in a bad marriage. I'm saying that you need to unlock the power of God to make your marriage great. There is power in the uncommon commitment that God is calling you to in your marriage. And I want your marriage infused with that power. And I'll tell you, frankly, I don't care if it's your first marriage, your second marriage, your third marriage. I don't care which one it is. Wherever you are today, God offers this power to you. 
My goal today is to help you rethink your commitments, to remake them, reaffirm them, so that when things get tough, you don't bail. Instead, you stay the course. And you may be thinking, Pastor, you don't know my situation. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'll give you that. You're right. You can't. That's why God gives us this verse in Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It says, I can. Yes, I can. I can. I can do all things. How? Don't miss this. Through Christ who strengthens me. That's not something you just put on a plaque and hang on the wall. This is something you have got to experience in your life. You've got to understand there is nothing that God asked me to do that he won't give me the power to do. I don't do it. Christ does it through me. This is the part of the Christian life that so many Christians miss. Our God is not a God just to be understood. Our God is a God to be experienced. He's a God who wants to do the transforming work inside of you so you can do things you never dreamed possible. And Christ says, look, I'll model it for you. He says, I'll model it. I'll come and live a perfect life. And then I'll lay my life down on the cross and pay for your sin, pay to break the curse of the sin in your life, and then I'll give you the Holy Spirit of God to give you the power to do it. Christianity is not, well, I'm going to try and do harder this week. I'm going to be better. No, no. Christianity is God transforming you through Christ's strength. And there's no place we need that more than in the marriage relationship. Today, I want to give you five commitments that God has made to you. And I don't want you to try and do these. I want you to experience these. Because when you experience these commitments that God has done for you, then, then you'll have the capacity to do them. Because God never intended for you to, to just do what the Bible says. God intended for the Bible to come alive inside of you and give you the power to do it. So here's what God says to you about his commitments to his relationship with you. Number one, on your notes, God says, I commit to prioritize you. And in our relationships, this is usually where we fail first. We get our priorities out of whack. And Katie and I struggle when I let my work come first. And it's happened. It happens. But God has shown me a better way. Because God has prioritized me. God has prioritized me to the point that this is how we know what love is. God doesn't just tell us what love is. He shows us. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ put everything else on the list, stuff that was important, set it aside and laid down his life for me. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If you ever experience the priority that God has given to you, it will change the way you view other people. He did, so I can. Say that little phrase with me. He did, so I can. One more time. He did, so I can. He prioritized me, so I can prioritize other people. Number two, 
God says, I commit to pursue you. And we know in relationships, this is, this is an important factor. I mean, some of you men and women, you pursued the fire out of each other when you were dating. I mean, man, you, ladies, you were hiking, you were hunting, you were fishing. Guys, you were going to the opera, to the symphony. You were eating in restaurants you didn't like and watching movies you hated because you were pursuing one another. And then you got married and all that stopped. Listen, your marriage cannot survive unless you get back into a hot pursuit of that lady again. This would be a good point for you ladies to say amen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't wait for the feeling uh, of pursuing to pursue her. That's the world's way. No, no, I make the choice to pursue her. I pursue her because God pursues me. He did, so I can. And some of you, you know God's been pursuing you. I mean, God's been pursuing you this week. God's pursuing you right now in this service. And, and, and some of you, you stiff-armed him. God's moving into your life. He's saying, hey, can, ain't it about time you let me in? The Bible says, look, I stand at the door and knock. And here's something you need to know about God. Even if you stiff arm him, he just keeps knocking. He just keeps knocking. He doesn't wait for the feeling of love to love you. He just keeps pursuing you. He stands at the door and knocks. And notice he knocks gently. He didn't knock the door down. He's God. He created the door. He could knock it down, but he doesn't. He just pursues relentlessly. And some of you today, you need to answer the hot pursuit of God in your life. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. God is committed to pursuing you. He did so I can. He pursues me so I can pursue Katie. He pursues you so you can pursue your wife. And ladies, it doesn't hurt if you let yourself get caught once in a while. Now, where's the amen from the men? <laughs> yeah. Number three, God says, I commit to possess you. God is committed to a sense of belonging. You're not a project of God. You're not an experiment for God. You're not just some creation of God. No, God considers you his very own. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. That's how God feels about you. And so I have to tell Katie, I have to say, babe, I belong to you. I belong to you. You belong to me. We belong to each other. You know, that's the power of Christianity is, is there is a belonging and he can. He did, so I can. Number four, God says, I commit to protect you. Protect you. Because God knows there's going to come a day. God knows. That, you know, the truth is, there are bad days. And, and some of the bad days, I created them. A lot of the storms in my life, I created the storm. A lot of the bad days in my life begin with me. And God says, I'll protect you even from yourself. But there are also times when we get attacked from the outside. And aren't you glad that you have a God who when he sees you being attacked, the Lord will protect you from all dangers. He will guard your life. God protects you. Do you protect your spouse? Do you protect your spouse? 
Or when they're attacked, do you pile on or do you lead the attack? We need to protect each other. God protects us. And the Bible says that God protected us. God, Christ died for us when we were sinners. God, God protected us when we were far from God, when we were enemies from God. God doesn't just protect us on our good days. God protects us when we're at our worst. He comes to our defense when we're at our worst. He did, so I can. You don't need commitment in the good days. You don't need commitment in the good days. You need commitment in the bad days. You've got to protect your spouse. Number five, God says, I commit to purify you. God says, Kelly, you're going to blow it. And when you do, I'm going to be right there with what you need. And some of you need to hear this because you blew it this week. And you need to know that when you blow it, God's response is not, are you serious? Did you do that again? No. God's response when you blow it is, that's why you need me. That's why you need me. This is when you need me the most is when you blow it. And he's as excited about when you blow it as when you get it right. And for some of you, if you would just believe that, receive that, you would fall in love with Jesus more. Because when you blew it, he said, that's why you need me, and I'm here for you. Your husband or wife blows it, that's when they need you the most. They need your forgiveness. They need your help. They need your support. They need you to purify them. Listen, you've got to understand this. This is huge. The, the, the purpose of marriage is not to make you happy. And some of you say, well, then it's working very well. <laughs> okay? But the purpose of marriage is not, if you think the purpose is to make you happy, you're going to be sorely disappointed. No, the purpose of marriage is not to make you happy. The purpose of marriage is to make you holy. That's why we call it holy matrimony. Your marriage is supposed to be a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. If Ephesians 5 is, is the greatest passage in Scripture about the relationship between husbands and wives. And as Paul lays out that relationship, look at the imagery that he uses. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her happy not what it says he gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless that's what Jesus Christ wants to do for you he wants to wash you with his word. He wants to purify you. He wants you to be radiant without the stain or wrinkle or blemish, holy, blameless. And the picture that he uses of that process is the marriage process. Paul, Paul says in this, in this passage about husbands and wives, he says this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Your marriage is a sacred sacred thing it is a sacred thing it is to be a picture of the commitments that God has made to you 
God wants your marriage to be a picture of priority, pursuit, possession, protection, and purity. And when you make an uncommon commitment to those things in your marriage, you will never be happier. Let's pray. God, as we come to you in prayer, we, we, we begin with confession. Because every one of us has blown it. Every one of us has, has fallen prey to the behavior and customs of the world. And God, today we, we come to you and, and we just openly say we repent. And we ask for and we receive your forgiveness. And God, I pray for every person in this room, every marriage relationship that is here, every, uh, every dating relationship, courting relationship, God, every wounded relationship. I just pray that today, from this day forward, we would start anew, we would start afresh. And we would seek to do it your way. And that we would desire to become the kind of person that you want us to become. And God, help us to put on love, to walk in love, to choose love. And God, may we fix our attention, fix our hopes and our dreams in you. May you be the source of our satisfaction, our fulfillment, our joy. So that as we live together, we can become the picture of the relationship of Christ and his church that you desire for us to be. That, God, we might live in holy matrimony and that we might find the happiness and joy that comes from that. God, it's a huge order. It's a huge ask. But we ask you to give us the strength through Jesus Christ to make and keep these uncommon commitments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.